Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. Join with me in your Bibles in Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4 is where we're going to be at in just a moment. Uh, and so we're going to be reading verses 1 through 15 as we look at this, uh, this thought of let my people go from the book of Exodus as we see God uh, just leading Moses and the people of uh, Israel out of Egypt and into a place of freedom. And truly, it is good to know that Christ allows us to be able to know the freedom of uh, Christ and the liberty therewith. And so we are grateful tonight we can be reminded of those truths. And so Exodus chapter 4, and one of the places of bondage that oftentimes we find ourselves is that of doubt. And doubt can sneak up upon us and it can be a place where it causes us to be afraid to step forward and to be afraid to follow the Lord in His leading. And this is an area that, that Moses was struggling with in his own life. And we can learn great lessons from Moses here as we see that God wants to lead us out of doubt. Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 1, let's read this together. It says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thine bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it on dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land." And Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord uh, my God, or excuse me, O my Lord, excuse me, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, uh, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made uh, man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O Lord, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. 
And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the, on, uh, Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. Let's stop and pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for this text of uh, Scripture we have tonight as we just uh, study through the book of Exodus here. We thank you for uh, just the reality, Lord, that you want to deliver us out of places of bondage. And Lord, set our feet upon the dry, uh, on the solid rock of Christ. And so help us, Lord, to put away our excuses and, Lord, to be willing to follow you. And tonight, as we see this example of Moses, would you just inspire our own faith? Maybe in a season of doubts, Lord, we're... Uh, things are assailing. Help us, Lord, to be anchored upon the rock of Christ. We pray these things in His precious name. Amen. Now, the realization is we all appreciate a good, confident leader, don't we? Someone who knows the direction he's going and he, you're willing to follow him. But even Moses would testify he was not that kind of leader. He didn't want to lead. He didn't, he didn't have confidence in his leading. Moses didn't think that he was a good leader of any uh, at this point in his life. And so I remember, though, what had taken him to this. He had spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. God appeared to him uh, in the burning bush and called him to go back to Egypt to deliver Israel out of bondage. Remember that from last week. But despite this miraculous appearing of God and obviously the display of God's grace, the overwhelming response of Moses was that of doubt. We can be guilty, can't we? The reality is many of us struggle to believe that God could use us. Oh, he can use the pastor because he's eloquent, or he can use the pianist because she uh, tickles the ivories. Mostly, I just bang on them. You know, when we look at these different, these different gifts from different people, we say, oh, yeah, God can use them, but He can never use me. Or we could say, listen, uh, God, I, I, uh, I have a ter- terrible past. You don't know what I've been through. But listen, we're about to see what happened in Moses' life and his past, and we'll see that God uh, delivered him out of his excuses and out of uh, the bondage of fear and helped him to trust the Lord. And so that's the, that's the thing today, is that I just want us to see that, listen, we don't have to stay in a place of doubt. We don't have to stay in a place of uncertainty because we serve a wonderfully certain God tonight. And so let me remind you, sometimes God calls us to witness but we think only talkative people can really do that well. Some of the greatest soul winners have been people who weren't that eloquent of speech. And let me just encourage you, no matter your excuse, God can use your life if you let Him. Sometimes we wonder, how can God bring peace in the midst of a storm? Or how can He bring revival in the midst of apathy? Even though we hear the promises of God, sometimes we doubt whether, uh, whether God really can or will. But doubt is not a good dwelling place for us. It's not a good place to abide in our life. And and so we must realize, though, that with God's calling comes God's enabling. And so God is never going to call you to do something without enabling you to get the job done. And so that is a a great uh, lesson from Moses tonight. So let's look at his life. Verse number one, we see the reluctance of Moses. Even after the revelation of the burning bush... We see Moses turns and contradicts the very promises of God. Look at verse number 1. Moses answered and said, Behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. There's a couple of reasons why he was reluctant. First off, we see he had a lack of faith. Moses didn't, you know, he didn't look like the kind of leader one would imagine God could use. 
Here he was on the backside of the wilderness, leading sheep, not caring for uh, great multitudes of people, but caring for some, uh, just some hairy sheep. But he had heard the promise of God flatly declared to him from God, and there was no mistaking that God would do a work. But Moses lacked the faith. And, and honestly, sometimes we do the same thing. And it's easy to judge Moses, but I can be just as guilty as anybody else. Maybe it was because of his past. Now remember in his past, when Moses was in Egypt, he was the son of Pharaoh. Uh, but during that time, he saw one of the other Israelites uh, were, were being abused by the taskmaster. And so he murdered the taskmaster, buried his corpse in the sand. And as a result of that, uh, he, uh, he was found out of, the, of that. And that guilt pushed him, drove him uh, from Egypt into this desert land. Guilt will often mislead us and cause us to doubt. And that's the, I believe that's the, exactly the thing that Moses was dealing with. He was carrying a guilt with him from things that he had never truly dealt with. He had run from those problems instead of letting God bring forgiveness and healing. And that's why God calls us to immediately respond in repentance when we have uh, gone astray from Him. But here's the thing. Moses could not ever deliver the people of God. Only God could do that. You see, and that's what Moses missed in this opportunity. Moses was not, never going to conquer Pharaoh, but God simply wanted a witness that he could use. He wanted a person to be willing to say, Here, my Lord, send me. You know, and, and here's, here's what happens is sometimes we think when God calls us to do something, that it's us that has to do it all. And so we, we think of our own resources and we think of our own abilities and we think, Listen, I'm going to fall short of that. Man, if I was the little boy who had the two loaves, uh, or the five loaves and the two fishes, one I'd learn to count first, but I, I would look at that situation and i think, well, what is this among so much? There's no way in the world over 5,000 people is going to be fed from my little lunch. That's the kind of doubt that I would display. Man, Moses was in the same place, and the truth be told, you'd be in the same boat as you're munching on that, uh, that fish stick thinking, I don't know how these folks are going to get fed, but they ain't getting mine. Listen, that's probably the human nature that drives us, but even a child, and it's just simple childlike faith, said, here, you can take what I have. You see, God is still looking for witnesses for Him today. And when it comes to having a godly home, raising a godly family, being a godly witness, none of us can do it. Amen? But that's the point. We are unqualified, but God is not. You see, He is able even to use us these broken people in this room, to accomplish His work. Philippians 1.6 says this, Being confident of this very thing, that He which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, and grasp this for a moment, that this is my, where my faith lies, in that though God's called me to something, I don't have what I need to be able to accomplish it. So I'm just going to rest in Him. Remember, He says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Why? Because His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so He calls us to trust Him in those things. This confidence is not found in ourselves this confidence that he talks about in Philippians 1.6 is found in our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not found in believing that we can muster something out of our inner self and, and resource that inner spirit to and listen to all this nonsense that is preached today. Listen, what we need is Jesus. It is just simply trusting and resting in Him. 
This confidence is placed in Christ through believing His promise that He will finish the work that He started in us. And so God's called us to be His followers, to be light for Him. And since He has called us to that, He's going to help us through it. Remember, 1 Thessalonians 5.24 has become really just a theme verse for me in the last four years. Faithful is He that calleth you who also will forget you. That's not what He says, is it? He says, who also will walk away. Who also will what, church? Do it. Isn't that good? Man, I'm so thankful that, man, when God calls me to do something, man, if God calls you to be a father, let me just encourage you, you can be a godly father because He's called you to it, and He's going to get you through it. He's going to help you perform that which He's led you to. If He's called you to be a godly mother, let me just encourage you, He's going to empower you on those days when the the diapers are full and the, and the, the stove is on fire and things are going crazy and your husband won't pick up the phone. Let me tell you, we still serve a good God, don't we? Even in those days... God is still good. You see, many of God's servants have had seasons of doubt. You're not alone, neither was Moses, but God desires to strengthen our faith. And so if you're in a season of doubt, or maybe you're, uh, going, maybe you're going to go through one at some point, let me just remind you what Moses learned, that God strengthens His faith through our promises. Moses failed to listen to God, and this is why his faith was lacking. Exodus 3.12, remember what God has already told him. He said, and certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. You're going to know that I was with you because, listen, you're going to lead the people back here, and you're going to serve me here. Why? Because you can't do it by yourself. God had already told Moses he was going to do the delivering, but Moses wasn't listening to God. He was fretting over this huge responsibility God had given him. Sometimes we're afraid of surrendering to God's will in our life and and thinking, man, God, you're going to want me to surrender to do your will, and that means I'm going to live in a mud hut in the middle of Africa with no air conditioning and no uh, hot water, and I I can't imagine that kind of life. And God, so I just won't surrender. But listen... Maybe Moses was in the same boat. But this is what I know, is that God helped him through every step of the way, and He will us as well. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, The ultimate cause of all spiritual depression is unbelief. For if if we're not for unbelief, the devil could do nothing. It is because we listen to the devil instead of listening to God that we go down before him and fall before his attacks. What are you believing? What voice are you listening to? Unbelief was what, uh, why Moses was in the backside of the desert. And it's why Elijah was cowering under the juniper tree later in his life. And it's why other great men of God have struggled in times of doubts. He had a lack of faith. But also he had a lack of vision. Moses had a lack of vision that caused him to, to fail to see what God wanted him to see. The Proverbs 29 and verse number 18 tells us, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Vision means a biblical understanding. So if you don't have a biblical understanding and a biblical paradigm that enables you to see life the way God sees it, you won't be able to stand against the tricks and the wiles of the devil. And this is why it's so important that Christians develop a godly vision. We need men who have a biblical vision for their family, 
Mothers who have a biblical vision for their a Christ-like home, a godly atmosphere, uh, at least uh, a biblical vision for where their, where their children uh, come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, otherwise, what happens is their children perish. Listen, we need church members, each of us, who have a vision for the potential of our church to impact our community for Christ, to shape the lives of, of youth, but also because, listen, uh, there are lost people all the, all the way around us. You see, God's vision is something He desires for us. An entire generation of people will perish unless we catch hold of what God has for us here. Moses probably had a lack of vision. He couldn't see past his failures. Remember that body? He couldn't see past the, uh, the fact that his own countrymen mocked him. His excuse was that he feared the Israelites uh, the Israelite people wouldn't listen to him. And so as a result of that, he just was afraid to follow God. Exodus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, And when he uh, went out on the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said unto the one, What did the wrong? Uh, wherefore, smitest, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared. Listen, he was afraid. Moses' Hebrews brothers confronted him about his sin, and, and he no doubt felt like anything but a leader at this moment. Maybe before this point, he was thinking, yeah, I'm God's anointed. I'm going to be the one to lead people, children of Israel out of Israel, out of Egypt. But now he didn't. Now he's afraid. He was fearful. And he carried that failure in for 40 years on the backside of the desert. Undoubtedly, there have been things that have happened in our past. Sometimes people uh, can be very hurtful at times. Maybe you've been told you'd never make it, or, you know, that, uh, listen, God can't use your life, and you've got too many problems. Uh, Shirley Tolbert, I, I love her to pieces, and she's always, uh, she's always such an encouraging spirit. And, uh, and she would, when she talks about my son Josiah, she always says, I know God's got something special for that boy. And boy, I tell you what, that lifts a dad's heart. You know, to see that somebody else can see something in your son or your daughter. But when people look at you and they, they, they say, listen, your life is worthless, give it up. Well, you listen to those lies and it makes you believe like Moses believed you couldn't be used. Instead of listening to the accuser of the brethren, let me just encourage you, listen to God. He's not done with you yet. He's not finished so don't let your past blur the vision of what God wants you to do in the future. Martin Lloyd-Jones also said this, to dwell on the past simply causes failure in the present. Paul said it like this in Philippians 3, 14, uh, 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, listen, I'm not going to let those failures, I'm not going to let those uh, past uh, things burden me from being able to follow the Lord today. Don't let your past disappointments hold you back from serving the Lord don't let it ruin your future by living in your past. Sometimes you have to put your past failures behind you so that you can accomplish what God has for you. There was a 12-year-old boy who was throwing stones and he accidentally killed one of his mother's geese. Now, mothers can be pretty protective, amen? 
And uh, I think if my boys killed one of my wife's chickens, then uh, they might uh, also be on the dinner table that night. But figuring his parents would be pretty, uh, wouldn't notice one missing, he just, you know, dug a hole, buried it, and uh, went on with his day. But his little sister happened to see this incident happen. And so she, she caught him after he came inside and she says, Listen, I saw what you did today. I saw what you did to that geese, and listen, if you don't do my chores for me, I'm going to tell mom. And so for many days, the boy would do the dishes every single night. He would do the dishes and do the dishes and do the dishes. And, and t- finally, one night, he couldn't handle it anymore, and, his, and, and he, he, he just told his sister, listen, I'm not doing the dishes anymore. And his sister said, listen, fine, I'll go tell mom. And he said, go ahead, I already told her. And guess what? She forgave me. You see, he was finally free. You see, that's the problem with our past. Sometimes Satan uses our past failures like blackmail. And they hold you trapped. But if you're saved, the Bible says your sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. Amen. Thank you. Isn't that exciting? Man, I get excited about thinking about this. I know what I am. You don't know me like I know me, and I know that I'm terrible. But this is what the Bible says in Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Hallelujah. Amen, church? I'm telling you, that's what Jesus did for you. You want to talk about Valentine's Day? That's your real Valentine's right there. The one who would do something like that for you is amazing. He says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. There's a, there's a little, little caveat there. If. If you'll humble yourself, church. If you'll come to Him and say, Lord, I, I need Your forgiveness. God, I need You uh, to, to heal, my, uh, heal me from this and bring that repentant spirit. This is what He says. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what He says? What sin? Isn't that awesome? What a good God we serve. But listen... Moses told God, they will not believe me, but what he was really saying is, I do not believe you. That's the real problem we have. You see, when God calls us to to something, we think, we say, well, listen, no one's going to take me serious. Listen, no one's going to come and no one's going to want to be a part of a church that you call me to pastor. No one's going to help me. On the mission field, there's all kinds of what-ifs, all kinds of things. I'll never be able to be a good mom, all these different things. But what we're really saying is, Lord, I don't believe you. May we, as a church, be willing to say, God, I just, I just believe you. Romans 8.31 says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can stand against us? Church, let me just remind you, we serve a wonderful God. And our confidence is not in us. Our confidence is is in Him. That's where our confidence lies today. The second thing we see that happens here in Exodus chapter 4, in verse number 2, we see the revelation of God. Moses was having trouble believing God's Word, and his feelings were telling him that his plan wasn't going to work, so God gave Moses yet another miraculous display of His power. And so we see this demonstrated here in verses number 2 and 3. It says, And the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. We see very first uh, that his power, the God's power was demonstrated. 
And so the question that God asked Moses was, what is in your hand? This is what's cool, is God can do incredible miracles with whatever you have to offer Him, as long as you give it to Him. Sometimes we don't want to give it to Him. We don't want to surrender it. But when we surrender it, that's when God can do the miraculous. We rest in Him. Moses probably didn't feel like he had much, really. He just had a simple rod, a stick, if you will. Just like the boy feeding the 5,000. Never thought, imagined what he had until God got a hold of it. What matters is that what you do have is yielded to God. So oftentimes we look at the, the, what we don't have I, uh, and we, we say, listen, I don't have this and I don't have this and I can't do that and I don't have this talent. But when you yield to God and you surrender to God what you do have, He can take a life that maybe by the world standard is mediocre and He can do something miraculous. See, this is why God asked Moses what was in his hand. God instructed him through simple obedience. That simple rod. It just, he just threw it on the ground, became a certain serpent. And listen, this snake was probably a cobra, which was a symbol of Egyptian power. And this was obviously a very frightening thing for Moses. Verse 4 and 5, look in your Bible. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. But listen, he fled from before this snake in verse number uh, 3. He wasn't around, about to stay around. This, uh, last week we were uh, checking the crawl space in our house. And, and uh, anyways, and I'm, as I'm crawl, checking the crawl space in the house and checking on our uh, little dehumidifier down there, uh, I was shining the flashlight around. And I, I'm not kidding you, I think I saw 15 snake sheds. And my son said, uh, Dad, uh, this is Asa, he's with me. He says, uh, do you think we, you think we need to get something to protect ourselves? I said, nah, we'll be fine. We didn't see a snake, fortunately, but we saw plenty of evidence of snakes. And I said, I think we are going to get a few glue traps, though, and throw them under here. Listen, sometimes we get fearful because of, of something that we see, but we can trust the Lord. And God said, that God told Moses to do something simple. Pick it up. But not by the head, but by the tail. You know what he said? I dare you to trust me. Trust me. A.W. Tozer said, God is looking for people with whom He can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. Isn't that awesome? So often that's my life, I'll confess. But God wants us to trust in Him. It was as though God was saying, Moses, I know you have your doubts, but don't forget who you're talking to. Amen? Don't forget what I can do. I know what you can't do, but I know what I can do. And with God, all things are possible. Let's look in verse number 6 and 7. And the Lord said, Furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. So now here's the second miracle we have. First was the rod becomes a snake, and now we have his hand becomes leprous. And he put forth his hand into his bosom. We took it out. His hand was leprous as snow. Now Moses now obeys God the second time, and his hand becomes infected with leprosy. Leprosy in this period of time was the great scourge of mankind. No one had answers for a cure, uh, but there are some ancient writings that have uh, led us to believe that Egypt had even thrown some of its wealth and its resources behind uh, trying to cure this contagious disease. But it was still, at this point, very, very much ravaging the ancient world. And so all their studies for the Egyptians were to no avail. But Moses, once again, chose to trust God and obey God. 
And so, uh, so he threw his hand into his coat. He pulled it out. It was white as snow. And, and once again, God reminds him, I am the I am. He reminds him, I am all-powerful. I can do all things. And just as a reminder, leprosy is often used to picture the ravages of sin and its destructive power. But the same God who cures leprosy is the same God who cures sin. Listen, that's all what Jesus has done through for us on the cross. He says in 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Hallelujah. God is a cleansing God whose power is demonstrated in cleansing leprosy and in cleansing sin. But we see, secondly, His promise is declared here. Now, in verses 8 and 9, we come to this point, and we see that God declares another promise to Moses. He says, And if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will, not, that they will uh, believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it on the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood on the dry land. You know what he's saying? Listen, they're going to believe you. Here's my promise. You can, you can trust me that they're going to believe you. In case some of the children of Israel didn't believe any of the first two miracles, God let Moses know he had even more miracle-working power. You know, we often doubt God's promises, don't we? We doubt sometimes that a certain man will ever be saved or that a backslider can return to Christ. But God has promised that nothing is impossible with him. Sometimes we throw up our hands in frustrations when we feel our inability to do anything right. But God says that He can do all, uh, we can do all things through Him, the one who strengthens us. Sometimes we sink in exhaustion. Sometimes we're weary beyond belief, and yet God beckons us to come to Him and find rest. In our moments of worry and about our ministry, about our family, about all of the worries of this world, we feel like we can't go on. So God takes, uh, takes us up and reminds us that His grace is sufficient. Sometimes we realize we can't figure things out on our own. And, there's no, there's, uh, and we don't have wisdom. But God promises us He will direct our steps over and over and over again. But the question simply boils down to this. Will we listen to our doubts or will we listen to our God? Listen, when we believe God's promises, we're not living by our own reason. We're living by the Word of God. Life doesn't run by what we think, but by what God promises. So let's remember that. Finally, we see the resources of God. Because God doesn't just say, okay, good luck, Moses. And He doesn't just say, good luck in your life, but He helps empower us for the job before us. And so verse number 10, we see here as, uh, 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 as we continue on. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, Neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am of slow speech and of a slow tongue. I feel like that sometimes. Listen, God reminds him of a couple of things. One, he's our creator. Does God make garbage? No, absolutely not. And when you look in the mirror, and then maybe tomorrow morning you get up and you look in the mirror and you see everything all out of place, you just remind yourself, listen, God don't make garbage. You see... Some people say that Moses maybe had a stuttering problem. I don't know. Maybe he had a speechwriter uh, like my, our dear president. I don't know. But this is what I know is that, uh, that God was with him. Moses felt insecure about his ability to speak before Pharaoh, but God was with him. 
But as a, uh, with, with Moses, there was a pattern in his life throughout his, throughout his life. His insecurity stemmed from forgetting the character of the one he was talking with. Never forget who you talk with. We're talking to the great I Am. He is eternal. He is all-powerful. He is our Creator. So God had to remind Moses that He is the one who created Moses' mouth in the first place. Verse 11, look there with me. This is God's response. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Isn't that good? Let me just deal with this. Remember Job when he was doubting, when he was in his moment of despair? And he said, Where were you, Job, when I created everything? Let let me just remind you, I'm still God. I'm still in this situation. I'm still your Creator. I still know what I'm doing. Don't worry, I've not gone on vacation. I'm not taking a nap. I am still God. And no matter what the situation is in our life today, let me just remind you, He is still God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I love that. All right, good. Next one. We see He is our teacher. Verse 12. He says, Now therefore, go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. All right, so again, God is addressing these insecurities, these doubts, these things, these excuses. And so God has created us. He knows us intricately. And God wants to teach us. He wants us to grow so that we can succeed. And this is the promise He made to Moses. Not only promised to show His power, but now He promises that He would teach him what to say. You ever get afraid of saying the wrong thing when you witness to somebody? Okay, yep. Yeah. Probably uh, 100% of us in here have at one point or another experienced some fear in witnessing. And here's the truth. The Holy Spirit of God indwells your life, and He will go with you. He will guide your lips. He will, he will allow you to speak uh, according to His Word. Listen, as long as we're willing to speak out, God will give us the words to say. Zechariah 4, 6 Reminds us, then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Listen, that's what he was trying to teach Moses. Listen, Moses, I know you feel insecure. I know that you have excuses. But listen, I'm your God. I know you. I know the problems that you're facing. And not only that, I'm going to teach you. Lastly, we see God was his helper. And he's our helper too. I'm thankful that he, well, we're reminded of that truth here, verses 13 through 15. And he said, Oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. In other words, say, send somebody else. That's what he's saying. Anybody but me, God, I'm, I'm good with it, you know, because I, you know how frail I am. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Can you imagine? I can imagine in heaven God being like, Oh, are you not listening to me? I mean, in my mind, this is in my mind's eye. I'm just, I'm just picturing this on God's end in heaven, just slapping him for his forehead, thinking, would you please just listen to me? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Why? Because now you've got something to do. Trust me, Moses. Here was Moses in Midian, worrying about all the other things carrying the guilt of all those years. And now God shows up and He brings Aaron to him at just the right time. And let me just turn toward the last of the chapter with you in Exodus 4.27. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. God had already been working. He'd already been preparing. 
And the Bible says that he met him in the mouth of God. You see, Aaron was already on the way. You see, he's not limited, is he? We like to limit God. We like to put him in the box that we live in. But let me remind you, he's our limitless God. He's our helper. And he already has the solution coming if you'll just start obeying him. Look at the end of the, the chapter. Very last verse. And here's the end, end of this little story here. And the people, what does it say? Believed. All of his fear, all of his anxiety, all of his lack of faith, his lack of vision, all of those things at the end of the story was done away because God had worked. Let me just remind you. Sometimes we live in a spirit of doubt and we wonder, is God really listening? Is God really paying attention? I just want to remind you, trust the Lord. He is able. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked His disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And He offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?